Thank you, Paul. Good morning. We have been studying uh, the story for over a year in the great uh, overview from that study from Old and New Testament, and we're finished with that. And as we move into the Advent season, we're going to start looking at the Gospel of Luke next week. But today we're going to celebrate what churches worldwide, as far as Presbyterian, Lutheran, Episcopal, Catholic, the church calendar, and across the world, the church calendar day, the title is Christ the King Sunday. So we're going to talk about what that means. Let's look at the scripture first that is chosen worldwide for this great uh, ceremony. And I think you'll see why they chose this. We're in the Gospel of Luke, the 23rd chapter. And Luke 33, this is normally a scripture we read around uh, the time of Easter, but as we see about what's going on here, really, we can see exactly why it is the Christ the King, the King scripture. It's Luke 23, starting 33 through 43, it's page 1124 there in your pew Bible. This is Luke retelling the story that Peter probably told him on a boat somewhere in the Mediterranean. As you know, Christ has been tried and he's been led up to be crucified and it picks up in the middle of the crucifixion Luke 23 starting in 33 and when they came to the places called the skull there they crucified him and the criminals one on his right and one on his left and Jesus said father forgive them for they don't know what they do and they cast lots to divide his garments and the people stood by watching but the ruler scoffed at him saying ha, he saved others let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him that said, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Don't you fear God? Since you're under the same sentence of condemnation, and indeed, we justly, for we're receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing. And then the greatest, shortest conversion prayer in history. Jesus, remember me when you come to your kingdom. And some of the greatest words in retort. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of these is different from the other. Remember that song growing up, Sesame Street, happened to me the other day, <laughs> that great song, one of these is not like the other. I was uh, going with Jake, our youth minister, to a football game. It had been about 25 years since I'd hung out on a high school football game like I used to, and a little bit nerve-wracking. You know, most time, the adults sit up one spot, and the kids sit in another place in middle school. But Jake and I got to Dick Bivens. I said, hey, we're, gonna, we're not going up, we're, we're not doing... You know, kids' table, and we're sticky faith. We're going to go down where the kids are. And, of course, Jake, you know, he's got his cap on backwards, not wearing any socks and cool T-shirt. I'm like, is my belt too high? Are my pants too short? Am I, <laughs> am I embarrassing anybody? And I, all of a sudden, all these parents I'm waving at, and they're like, hey. And all of a sudden, I turn down, they're like, oh, he, no, he's going down there. <laughs> so I go down, and me and Jake just sit right in the middle, right front row with a bunch of high school. Of course, a and kids are there, and they're, you know, Jake and Kim, they're real gracious, but... Kids that don't know her are like, okay, is this guy a cop? Is he strange? What's the, you know, should we call security? They're just not quite sure. There's two guys in front of me, and they, a little bit, a couple of high school boys have been drinking a little bit, a little bit 
a little bit inebriated, and they don't know them behind them. And then they're just ripping off words, and they're just going crazy. They still don't know them behind them. And then our team scores, and this one kid's like, yeah, and he's cussing, yeah, and he turns around, and he goes, oh, crap. <laughs> he goes, ah, oh! and I can just hear that song, one of these is not like the other, you know, what are you, what's this guy doing here? And he kind of, boom, and then I, and, he, and he, he and his buddies moved to the other end of the stadium. Uh, it just didn't quite fit in. Let's play that game. Let's do an adult version. I'm going to show you some pictures. I'm going to ask you which one of these is different from the others because it's all about what we're talking about today. This first is a picture of a coronation of a king. This is the king of England. This is King Charles I at his coronation. Unbelievable wealth and splendor. This next one is King George I, 100-something years later, his coronation. Notice all the finery and all the... This is a portrait of his coronation. Then the next one, so that's the king of England, the king of France. This is Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon had won the wars and freed France. He was king, but he decided that's not enough. He decided after a thousand years of there not being an emperor, he decided to proclaim himself emperor. So this is the coronation of Napoleon as emperor. So the king of England, the king of France. Oh, and here's the king of the Jews. Here's the king of Israelites. One of these is not like the other. A dying king, not in gold and finery, exposed naked, hanging on a cross with common thieves. One of these is not like the other. There's a series out now called The, uh, the Crown. It's a good one. It's, it's, you can actually watch it without being embarrassed. That's on Netflix. It's about Queen Elizabeth II, who is still the queen. It's about her becoming queen in her 30s when her dad, King George VI, who reigned for England, First World War, Second World War, dies of lung cancer. And at 35, instead of just being a wife, not just, instead of being a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, she is now the queen of the still most powerful country at the time in the world, the largest landmass. She becomes queen. And when she walks back into her house for the first time, back into Buckingham, her mother bows to her. Her grandmother, the queen mother, bows to her. Her sister bows to her. Her husband has to walk behind, which I do anyway because I don't want to embarrass my wife. But um, she becomes the queen. And her coronation is one of the most amazing events in history. Over a billion dollars back then spent. And it's just, there's thousands and thousands of people. And when she finally presents herself to be queen and is crowned, when they see her in her beauty, everyone gasps. But someone said that if you look at the coronation, the crucifixion of Jesus, not on a throne, but on a cross, we wouldn't gasp, we would vomit because of the cruelty of it. Who is this king of glory? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why did we kill our king? And scripture says it pretty clearly. But Keller says this about this amazing moment. He says... It's easy to recognize a king robed in royalty, sitting on his throne with his servants waiting on him. But for a criminal being executed, to look upon a naked, bloody, tortured, condemned man dying on a cross and to call him Lord is astonishing. How do you look upon a dying man and say, take me to your kingdom? Why did our king Why did the king of the Jews, the chosen race, only have a cross for a throne? Scripture says it pretty easily. So when you're playing checkers, 
and you get to the back of your opponent's board and you get to that last square, what do you say? Crown me. King me. Right? Scripture says that that is why Christ had to die on a cross. That that's what we've done. That the problem with our hearts is, starting with Adam and Eve to every human, it's called the depravity of man, it's called original sin, is that every one of us, when we have the chance, we have our little paper crowns and we say, King me. I want to be king. I am in charge of my life, my family, my money. I'm running my life. Crown me, not thee. I want to be king. It's called sin. And it makes us kings of pain. It kills us. It keeps us from God today and through eternity. And we're paper kings. When Napoleon, we go back to 1804, when Napoleon decided that he wanted to be not just king but emperor, even though they hadn't been emperors for thousands of years, a little short man syndrome here, he decided he wanted to be emperor, right? Needed a few more inches there. So he had his coronation, but not like other kings. Other kings usually went to the Vatican, and they, the Pope would be sitting there on his throne, and as a spiritual leader, the king would walk up or queen to him, and he, the king, would place the crown on the royalty and bless him, but not Napoleon. Napoleon decides to have his own coronation in the church of Notre Dame in Paris, and as he walks up, he takes the crown from the Pope and puts it on his own head and says, crown me. You think that's funny? We do the same thing every day. I don't want a king God. I don't want this president, that president, that candidate, that preacher, that parent, that authority. I'm king. Crown me. That's the cry of our nation. That's a cry of our culture now. No king but me. It's good to be king, is it? That's why Christ had to come and die. 1932, King Edward in England ascended to the throne of England. And within a year of being crowned king, he fell in love. But it wasn't royal blood. It wasn't even a name. It wasn't, they had no estate. It was just a, a common peasant woman. He fell madly in love with her. And seven months after his coronation, after his crowning, he abdicated the throne. He loved this woman so much he denied his royalty and walked away from the crown. And King George VI became the king, which is why King Queen Elizabeth is now the queen. He loved her so much, he gave up his throne. This is why we need a king, because we are selfish, crown-ruling, self-centered sinners. Is that Christ, the king of glory, who sat at the right hand throughout eternity past, next to the Father as king of the universe, He abdicated the throne. He left his throne and took off his cross of gold and let us put a cross of thorns on him. And he died in our place, gave up his royalty so that we could be kings and queens again, prince and princesses, so that we could be black back in the bloodline. He died for us. He became king without a crown, a king dying on a cross. He left the castle so that we could get back in. John F. Kennedy, when he was president, would have months and months of appointments of people standing, waiting to see him. But there's a little side door in the Oval Office. And John F. Kennedy Jr., whenever he wanted to, didn't matter if the king of whoever, he could just come in and sit in the president's lap. That's what God wants to do for us, is to give us access to the throne again by his death. Is he your king? Do you know him? 
we show this to our high school kids to talk about what it means to really follow Jesus Christ as our king. There's three different ways you can live. This is, as you can tell, for high school. You can live with yourself, and that circle is your life, and you're on the throne, and just substitute boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, sex, romance, sports, recreation, leisure, friends, work, future plans, grades for work, and accomplishments, car. This is what the human life, this is what it's like when we say, I want to be king, crown me, with Christ outside. But here's the good news. I can find it. Here it is. Scripture says that, that's not being saved, but Christ says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear it, answer and come in, I will come in to him and him with me. Christ can come into your life. Romans 10, 9, 10, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe God raised from dead, you will be saved. Open the door. Christ will come in. And he, he will save you. But the problem is that's where most of us stop. Christ promises that he will be our Savior. But there's a problem with that picture in there. Guess who's still on the throne? Go back one. Who's still on the throne? That's what the majority of Christians live like. Jesus is my fire insurance. Jesus is my get out of hell free card. He's my credit card. He's my lucky rabbit's foot. He's my break glass in case of emergency, Jesus. He's just there and I'm using him when I need him, but I'm still king of my life, my money, my sex life, my finances, my church, my, my, my world, my time. That's just a believer. That's just salvation. But Christ says, no. Christ says, if anyone wants to come after me, they must abdicate the throne, deny themselves, pick up their cross daily, and follow me. This is what a believer looks like. Those of us, it says, have you have come to know him, so walk in him, Paul says in Colossians. Philippians 1, 6, as many as, as he has done, he will begin to change you every day the more you know him. Scripture says to lay down your cross, to throw down your paper crown. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Is he your king or just king for a day? And then what do we have to look forward to? In closing, he's coming back. The second time he will be the king, the king of glory. There is a throne for him. Let me just read this to you and we'll be done. Revelation 19, 11. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. Diadems are multiple crowns. Crowns of all crowns. Every crown in history will be on his head. His own crown. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. His blood. Because he came the first time to die for us. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. The armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen. White and pure were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. This verse is where we get... My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord right here. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. On his robe and on his thigh, his name is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Is that your king? The king of, on the cross. You're talking about Game of Thrones. He wins. He is our God. He is our king. Is he your king every day? Not just every once in a while. Do you know him? Have you abdicated the throne? And will you abdicate it? Well, I abdicate it every day by the way we treat each other, by the way we live, by the way we treat our marriages, our friends, our pastors, <laughs> the people that don't have what we have, the people that don't vote like we vote. Will he be king of kings? Will people look at us 
Like that thief looked at Jesus and say, I want to be in that kingdom. Handel's Messiah is the most beautiful piece of, of music I think ever written. And there was a place when it, in the 1800s when it was first played before King George II. Everybody was already in. He came in late and everybody stood for the king because you stand for the king. You never sit in front of the king unless he's sitting. And when he sat, everybody sat. And they got to that great, great crescendo, that great hallelujah chorus. And it started in with the choir. And he shall reign forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And it kept building and building. King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of Hallelujah, hallelujah. And the king of the most powerful nation at the time stood up because he realized he's just a paper king and that Jesus was king and everyone stood with him. And we still stand today because he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. Let's pray. Father, I'm tired of playing king. We give up. We cast our crowns down like we will in heaven right in front of you. Thank you for being a king that died so that we can be prince and princesses that live. Thank you that you are our once and future king. And we look forward to that day when you will come back and sit at your rightful place. But until then, may we practice. May we act like princesses and princes of that great king. We pray in the name of Christ the King. Amen.